Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. The book of 1 Peter, the third chapter, and the 14th verse. Thank you for being in church on this Wednesday evening, and uh, thank you for standing, and thank you for being faithful to the Word. I love the Word of the Lord. I find hope in the Word of the Lord, and that's what I'm talking about tonight, a reason of the hope. In verse number 14 of the third chapter of the book of 1 Peter, but and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy. Everybody say happy. happy. Blessed are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Now there there are so many things that that we could um, just go through and unpack out of these particular passage, uh, these scriptures, this passage, and and, um, and, and find so many, so many things that, that we need to live by, that we need to understand, that we need to embrace, that we need to be and do. Um, but tonight, let, let me just talk for a few moments, and, and you walk with me in the word, a reason of the hope, a reason of the hope. Father, I pray that you would help us, and thank you, Lord, for your word, that it is anointed, and you are great, and you are merciful. And I pray that you help us to understand this, and respond to it, and to live it, God, and to embrace it in our life, Lord, that it would be planted deeply, so deeply that events, people, things, spirits, God could not uproot it out of our heart, out of our mind, God. As we're attacked in our mind, in our, in our flesh, in our spirit on a daily basis, God, help us to remember the hope that we have. And Lord, for it to be planted so deeply there that nothing, God, can take it away. And we hope in you, God. Anoint me and anoint his people. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Jesus spoke a parable in Luke, the 13th chapter, of a fig tree that did not bear fruit. It's one, of my, it's one of my favorite parables. For three years, you've heard me talk about it numerous times. You've read it numerous times. For three years, the owner of the vineyard would come to gather fruit from this particular fig tree, but each time that he came, the word said that he found none. Um, it did not bear fruit. Now, uh, there was two things about this, and, and we'll talk about it here in just a moment more. So he, he, he told the dresser of the vineyard, first of all, the keeper, in other words, to cut it down. Uh, it was just taking up, taking up space. But the keeper of the vineyard, as most keepers would do, said, give it, give it one more year. Uh, let me dig about it. Let me fertilize it and see if it will bear fruit. And if not, then you, then you can cut it down. The judgment of God meeting the mercy of God. That's what was happening here. The judgment of God meeting the mercy of God. The demand of God running, running into the hope of God. That's what was taking place. Uh, as we look at this now in the, in the bigger picture 
Jesus was speaking of Israel here. He was speaking of a people that had not accepted him. Had, uh, they had rejected him. They were looking in other ways and other things. And they had not bore the fruit. Generally speaking, but specifically, more personally speaking, you and I are the tree. We're the tree. You and I are the ones who should bear fruit. But so often uh, we do not. And God, in his great mercy and in his abundant patience, uh, digs about our life, turning over the soil. I hope you see this. I hope you understand this. It is the mercy of God at work digging about the base of the tree. It is the mercy of God, um, and, and I hope you understand when I make this statement because it can be, it can be confused when I say it. It is the mercy of God inflicting an element of pain. It's the mercy of God at work doing something that seems to be misunderstood. It's the mercy of God making something uncomfortable, turning, uh, digging about our life, turning over the soil, breaking up the hardened ground of our heart and, and pouring in the things that offer hope. And that's what, that's what he was trying to communicate here. Here was a tree that was not bearing fruit. Here was a tree that was not being what it was meant to be, intended to be. Not to be just existing or taking up space in the ground or being a shade tree, but it was a tree that was meant to bear fruit as we are. And so he said, let me dig about it. The mercy of God said, let me dig about it. Let me fertilize it. Let me pour things into it uh, that, that offer hope, that offer hope for the season. The very nature of God is revealed in that particular parable. He is, in fact, a God of hope. He created you and I because the nature, we were created in his image, so he created you and I as well to exist in hope, to live in hope, to be hopeful. Um, Fruit, do you understand this in this parable? Fruit is the evidence of hope. It's, it's the fruition. It's what is believed that will be, that will happen. It's the thing that grows, the evidence of his word and, and will and his spirit at work in us. Look at this in the book of Romans, if you would, please. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Knowing, in other words, we, we glory, we glory in the digging. Yeah. We glory in the digging about us in tribulation uh, um, uh, by faith, whom also we have access by faith into grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience hope. Everybody say hope. hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Yeah. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Everybody understand this right now. We rejoice that God is going to get the glory. Not necessarily rejoicing because of our ultimate comfort. But we rejoice in the fact that ultimately God will be glorified because of what we have endured and gone through. That we have remained faithful unto the end that we went through the tribulation, we went through the digging process, what was being poured into us, because tribulation works patience in us. Um, that, that we've, all, we've heard it said before, and uh, people say, well, don't pray for patience, because when you pray for patience, you're asking for trial or test, because that's the only way that it's born. That comes from this particular place in the word right here. Patience is the result of tribulation. 
So when tribulation happens, it brings forth, uh, it brings forth patience in us. Uh, those tribulations, those trials, they bring experience. In other words, demonstration to our life. Everybody understanding this? Yes, the tribulation brings forth an experience in our life, a demonstration in our life, and thereby we have hope. It gives us hope. We learn from those tribulations and we find hope through those tribulations. Tribulation is the digging about us. Uh, the experience uh, is the demonstration of his care being poured into us, sustaining us, and hope makes us live on to the next season to bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit right now, have hope that you'll bear fruit in the next season. You might be in a moment or a time in your life when you're going through tribulation. Understand that that's ultimately for the glory of God. It is for the good of us, but the ultimate glory of God. And we can't get that mixed up. It is not just about being good for God. It is about for the glory of God, and it is ultimately good for us. And the wonderful thing about hope is, is that hope maketh not ashamed. It, in other words, hope doesn't let us down. Um, hope doesn't disappoint. There is not a thing wrong with hoping. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody believe that? Yes. Uh, hope is, can be so very fragile, but hope can be so tenacious. Hope can seem so weak, but yet it can be so, so strong. Um, we don't have to be ashamed of hope that is within us the hope that we live with, the life that, that we live out. And now, it, it may not make sense to the world, the way that we live. Uh, I'm speaking primarily tonight to, to people who believe. And so uh, some of us have already settled some of, the things, some, some of these things, some of us have not. It may not make sense to the world the way that we live, what we do, the choices that we make, the priorities that we put in place. All those things and more may not seem reasonable to the world. They may not make sense when, when we are living them out in front of them or when we are communicating those things or saying those things or, or not uh, coming into league with some of the things that they are, uh, they are doing or joining themselves to. But the hope that we have in God will not leave us ashamed in this life or that which is to come. Hope will not leave us ashamed. There is an end result, and it's imperative. It's imperative that we remember the distinction that exists between what we believe and what the world embraces. Now, everybody stick with me on this. This is imperative. It's imperative that we remember, we remember the distinction that exists between what we believe and what the world embraces. Now, let me, let me just walk in, in this vein of thought for just a few moments, and I, I need everybody just to concentrate, if you would. Look at this in John. John 15. Uh, it says this in 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, understand these are the words of Christ. Because you are not of the world, the world hates you. If you were of the world, the world wouldn't hate you. The world would love you. If you were in agreement with the world, then there would be no enmity. There would be no conflict. There would be no problem. There wouldn't be an uncomfortable feeling. But we are not of the world. So because we are not of the world, Christ said, the world's going to hate what you stand for. The world is going to hate what you believe. The world is going to hate what you embrace and what you live. Now look at this in John 17. Um, I have given them my word. Now this is uh, really, this is, as you've heard him say, this is the Lord's prayer, uh, even though we don't word it as such. I have given them thy word. This is Jesus praying. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, now this is where we find the quote. People often say, um, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Everybody heard that? 
Uh, that's not an exact quote from the Bible, by the way. That, it is found right here in these scriptures. We are in the world. That's what Jesus was saying. But we are not of the world. Um, it's evident that Jesus knew the tension that we would experience living in this hostile spiritual and physical environment that we're finding ourselves in. And I think we're finding ourselves in one of the most hostile physical and spiritual environments that we have seen in, in recent history. Um, and so he knew that there would be this, this tension that would exist. It, it's so hostile that he said that the world hates you. What we have and what we stand for, the hope that is within us. And, uh, he, he said that that's why the world hates what you have. It hates what you are. It hates what you stand for because it opposes them because you are in the world, but you are not of that world. You're not in agreement. Uh, look at this in, in 1 John 2. Um, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is a, that is such a strong verse to, to, to come into because we have to understand, because we struggle with this love-hate relationship with the world. Everybody in this place does. Yes, we do. Man in the pool, but everybody in the pew. We struggle with this love-hate relationship. We, we'll lean to the love of the world and we lean to the love of the Father. Uh, because our flesh is torn, uh, there's enmity between the flesh and the spirit. It is at war, it's at battle. We want to please our flesh. We want to do what our body wants to do. We don't want to do what the spirit wants to do so much of the time. And so that's what he was saying here. You can't love the world and be of God. There has to be an allegiance that's met and made. God is asking of you and I, those who are in the world, uh, not of the world, we are in the world, not of the world, to live in a way that pleases him and not the culture. And that's where, that's where this tension exists because he's asking of us who are in this world but not of the world to live in such a way that pleases him instead of pleasing the culture. Because right now we are being asked to please the culture that we exist in. Um, for even though we are not of the world, we are not yet taken out of the world. We are to remain in this world, in this existence, in this place, here in the church, but yet existing in the world. Everybody still with me? Say amen. I know I'm, I'm saying a lot of worlds here, so you just got to follow along. Uh, we are living in this world, but we are not of that world. But we have to remain in this world and be the salt and light to a lost world, to be the beacon of hope for others to see. Look at this particular scripture uh, in Corinthians. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to accompany with, not to accompany with fornicators, um, yet not altogether. Now, are you getting this wording? So Paul says, and I wrote to you not to, not to have a company with those who are wrong, who are sinful, fornicators. He said, but yet not altogether. Um, with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or, with, or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must she needs go out of the world. And so what he was saying, or Paul was qualifying here, that we cannot be completely removed from the influence and surroundings that we're living in. He said, it's impossible. You're going to be around fornicators. You're going to be around extortioners. You're going to be around sin. We're going to see it every day. We're going to hear it every day. It's going to be around us. There's going to be temptations constantly. There's going to be the opportunity to fall and fail and sin. It is going to be there. We cannot be removed from the influence and surroundings that we live in. Uh, to do that, he was saying, to do that, we would have to be taken out of the world completely. And so we have to accept the fact that we have to choose to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Um, so instead, instead we understand that while we are here living this life, 
We give the world a reason of the hope that is within us. We speak it to them. We live it in front of them. We are the salt and light. In other words, salt. Everybody stick with me. Salt, we are, the word tells us we are salt and light. Salt is taste and influence. So we are to be an influence. The salt is, having, is meant to have an influential effect on the world. We are not meant to be passive. Now, I'll, I'll qualify that here in a moment towards the end. But we are not meant to be passive. In other words, we're not meant to not, not be doing anything. Just to be uh, dormant, stagnant, stale, no action, no movement. We, we are meant to be influencing things. I hope you believe that. We are meant to be influencing things. We are meant to be the example. And we are meant to be the light, the illumination, the awareness of what needs to be. They need to see the light within us. The world needs to know that there is something different about you. Something different about every one of us where we exist, where we work, who we are, where we go, what we're doing. That something is illuminating. Men love darkness rather than light, the word said. Why is that? Because their deeds were evil. Because when there is light, it illuminates the darkness. It, it, it shows what is hiding behind in the shadows. And so that's why the world hates the light. Because deeds are evil. Um, in the world is our location. But to be of the world is finding our hope in it. In other words, uh, stick with me. We are in the world. That's our location, right? Everybody, amen? You, uh, but, but we are not of the world. In other words, uh, we're not of the world. We're not finding our hope in the world. Our worldview, our thinking, our affection. No, we, I'm, I'm going to just stop right here for a quick second and step away from our notes because we are in a particular time right now where our worldview is within the church if we are not careful. Uh, it is, it, it, it's attempting to be altered, to be just skewed enough to where there is the misalignment with the word of God. Uh, because that's why we, we talk about it from this platform. Secondary smoke kills. Everybody believe that? All right. You get around something long enough, sooner or later, you become acclimated to it. Uh, and, and the more that we watch certain things or we hear certain things, the, the more that it is sold to us in a way that is palatable, uh, the more that we get to think, you know, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't have a problem with that. After all, he's a loving God, isn't he? Well, maybe it's not so bad. How could, well, God wouldn't send somebody to hell. First of all, God doesn't send anybody to hell. Um, and, and, and so we hear these things and we watch these things and we become desensitized or, or jaded to it and uh, we become accepting of it and, and pretty soon we have we have uh, twisted the word because our thinking has been altered to the point to where we are accepting. And no longer are we in the world, but because our worldview has changed from looking through it through the lens of the word, uh, we are no longer just in the world, we become of the world. And that is a great difficulty for the church. Because, uh, again... Salt is very distinct. Either you taste salt or you don't. Light is either light or it is not. Everybody's following me on this. It is distinct. And we cannot let it be that somehow, and the word said it this way in one particular place, Christ said, make sure that the light within you is not darkness. Because we can have this dimness effect where we are accepting of certain things and because our worldview is changing, because it's going to be put in front of us more and more and more and more and more. Your kids are going to be taught it more and more and more and more. You're going to see it on billboards. You're going to see it around your life. You're going to be, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with it on a daily basis, and you have to decide who you are. 
You're going to have to decide. We're going to have to decide where our hope is because our hope cannot be in this world. It is going to melt with a fervent heat. But oh, thank God we have a hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hope's not in this world or from this world. Our hope is from the Lord. He's the reason. Now, I want to look back where we started in, in 1 Peter. Now, I know I'm throwing a lot at you tonight, but, but you can handle this. Just walk with me. Look, look at this. Now, we're going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Anybody ever read the Amplified Bible? If you try to read the Amplified Bible through in one year, it will take you more than a year. Uh, because as its name implies, it is amplified. It expounds. It, it uh, just keeps saying more and more and more. And what would normally take you 15 minutes takes you a good half hour to get through a chapter. But I want to read it tonight for, for clarity's sake, um, for us to just um, unfold it just a little bit more. But even if you should suffer, now this is what we read at the beginning. So 1 Peter, the third chapter, the 14th through the 16th, 16th verse. You'll hear the intonation. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, righteousness, though it's not certain that you will, you are still blessed, happy to be admired and favored by God. Do not be afraid of their intimidating threats, nor be troubled or disturbed by their opposition. But in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confidence, confident assurance, elicited by faith that is with you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And see to it that your conscience is entirely clear so that every time you are slandered or falsely accused, those who attack or disparage your good behavior in Christ will be shamed by their own words. Now, suffering or difficulty is an inevitable part of, of this life. We live in a world that opposes God and godly things. Sin is in the world. Because of the fallen nature of man, it is the inevitability of life that there will be difficulties, there will be sickness, there will be problems, there will be sin, there will be pain. But we are not to be troubled or disturbed by those things because our hope is not in those things. Be they good or be they bad, uh, trouble or despair, whatever it might be, our hope is not in that. We don't put our confidence in the negative report. Uh, we put our hope in God. The reason of our hope is Jesus. The reason why we can stand. We can stand with calm assurance even while facing opposition or opinion is Jesus. Now I'm, I'm trying to communicate this tonight because we are living in this environment. The reason why you can stand when there is opposition or opinion and there are opinions aplenty. And the reason why you can endure is because your hope is not in opinions. Our hope is not in opposition. Our hope is not in the tangibles nor in the intangibles of this world. Our hope is in Jesus. It is in Christ alone. That is where we put our confidence. That is the end result. For one, understand it. First of all, we know the present peace that the Holy Ghost gives us according to the promises and the assurance of his word. We have hope because we know the Holy Ghost gives me peace that these promises are yea and amen, the word said. So be it. It's going to happen right now. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, it has not entered into the heart of man what God has in store. Everybody remember that verse? Do you want to know that's not talking about heaven? That's not referring to the then. That is referring to the now. It's not even, we've not even got in our head and our mind how good God is to us. The things that he has promised to us here and now. 
But the things that we do know offer us by the Spirit of God within us, by the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have handled it. We have seen it. We know it. And because we know it, we have hope. You are not hopeless tonight. The world may tell you it's hopeless, but I'm telling somebody here, there is nothing hopeless when it comes to God. Nothing's impossible with him. With man, there are those impossibilities. With God, no. No, 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 no. Amen. It's a clean slate. God can do all things well. So we know of the present peace that the Holy Ghost gives us according to the promises and the assurance that we find in the Word of God. And secondly, we endure as seeing him who is invisible, Hebrews said. Um, and we are looking for that, um, that blessed hope that Titus talked about it. And we believe that he is, and Hebrews said there in that sixth verse, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently. Do you understand that? Amen. We endure because we see something that is invisible. Uh, We endure because we have a, a blessed hope that is not built in this world. Amen. And we know that he is. And so we're able to endure because we have hope in those things, the eternal things. We have reason to hope. We have reason to hope here and reason to hope for what is yet to be. Um, the last part of that verse is important to understand, and it is even more so important to demonstrate in our life. It said we are to give a reason of our hope with gentleness and, and respect. Everybody say gentleness, gentleness and respect. Everybody say respect. That's how we're to communicate hope. We are to communicate hope with gentleness and respect. Um, I'm going to confess to you today that I was convicted. I was convicted numerous times today, as a matter of fact. Uh, You may have had a good godly day. Well, it just didn't happen for me. And that's moments of confession by Tracy Noel in the pulpit tonight. Uh, It was one of those days where it it was plowing corn with a dull tip. Everybody know what that means? Everybody know what that means? Older people know what that means. Uh, you plow corn. Uh, it was Brother Walls that taught me it years ago. You have to sharpen the tip on the plow, the plow tip, because when it gets in sandy soil, it, it, it dulls and it gets harder to break up the ground. Well, I was plowing corn with a dull tip today, and uh, it was an all an uphill battle. And uh, somebody pulled out in front of me, and I try not to do this, but I beeped at them. I did. And it was not just a casual beep. It was one of those, more than one, you know, like I'm here beep. It was like, I am here beep. Everybody okay? Anybody ever done that? Yeah. If you don't admit it, you meet me in the altar here in a few moments. Um, uh, I had just, it was just, it was, it was just one of those, we all struggle uh, and, and we all have days and we all, we all have moments, but, but the word told us that we communicate, we communicate this hope in a gentle and a respectful way, in a, in a kind way. We're to give a reason of our hope with gentleness and respect. Um, no one will want the hope that we have in Jesus if we are not gentle and if we are not respectful with it. It's true. Others will not want what we have if we're talking about our brothers and our sisters to them. They're not gonna wanna be a part of that. Because they know if you're talking about your brothers and sisters, ultimately, we're gonna be talking about them. Um, people won't want it if we're not kind, if we're not caring, if we're not loving, if we're not consistent. If they see us one day, um, if they see us one day reading our Bible and the next day cussing somebody out, they're not going to want it. Anybody? 
If they, if they see us one day being kind to somebody and the next day mistreating another, they're not going to want it. We, we deal this, this hope out to people with gentleness, with respect, with love, with brotherly kindness. Amen. If we're not gentle and respectful to them and others, then we are no longer the salt and the light that they need us to be for them. The savor is lost. Uh, the illumination is gone. Uh, we're not communicating hope anymore. We're communicating a shallow religion that is built on a physical response with very little depth of heart. It is nothing more than an emotion on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be to the very core of our spirit, of who we are. It's the nature of Christ within us. It's the hope of glory. Amen. It's the hope that is within us that has to be seen, that must be communicated out of a godly conversation. And that's what he talked about here. Uh, We read it just a moment ago. Uh, There's got to be a godly communication. There's got to be a godly conversation. Uh, we communicate people with our action, to people with our actions, but not only with our actions, but through our words. Uh, we, we speak life into them or we speak death. We speak blessing or we speak cursing. It's the hope that is within us that's communicated out of a godly conversation and a life that's faithfully lived. It has to be lived with faithfulness. And, and we often talk about faithfulness. I talk about it a lot here in the pulpit. But faithfulness is not just about church attendance. It is about church attendance. Without question, it is about church attendance. And hopefully we realize that. And I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on a Wednesday night. I know that. But the fact of the matter is faithfulness is not just about the attendance on a Sunday or a Wednesday. Faithfulness is on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday as well. Faithfulness is demonstrated inside the home and outside the home at the workplace or outside of the workplace. It's in our conversation. Faithfulness goes beyond just the physical response of the immediate gratification that it offers to the thoughts within our mind. Because we can't be just faithful, faithful in the actions of our life because faithfulness, mm, everybody still with me? You okay? I know this is Wednesday night and this is a lot. Just stick with me. Faithfulness can be a mimicked response. I talked about it here the other day. It can be a mimicked response in our life that is just something that we do because we've done it so many times before. But faithfulness has got to go beyond just the mimicked response or the, or the habitual nature of, of that's the way we do things. It's got to be something within our heart that is lived out and demonstrated in our life privately and publicly. Amen? I want to be faithful to God in my brain. Bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. 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 Uh, we don't have, it, ha, have yet all that we hope for. Anybody believe that? There's things I'm hoping for that I still don't have. Uh, there are things that I'm hoping for in this life, and there are things that I'm hoping for in the life yet to come. As the prophet Zechariah said, um, we are prisoners of, of hope. You, you should read that sometime. He said, we are prisoners of hope. And, and, and in other words, we are bound to hope. We are we are fettered by an unseen reward. It should be that way, at least in our life. There's something that, Brother Isak, there's something making me live this life yes. that I am hoping for. Yes, sir. I am a prisoner of hope. Yes, sir. I, am, I am fettered. I am I'm incarcerated, if you would, by a hope that is not just in this world. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, am, I am locked in. I have, I have been arrested by it. And that's why Paul said, uh, I am, I, I've got to apprehend that which I am apprehended of. I've pressed towards the mark. I look, uh, forgetting those things which are behind and looking to that one thing that is before. And so we're prisoners of hope. And we don't have it all yet, but we're, we're hoping for it. Anybody? I'm hoping for it. But one day faith shall become sight. What we have lived will prove itself true. Hope maketh not ashamed. One of these days, in fact, the trump of God shall sound. And, and the dead in Christ shall rise. 
And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Amen. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There will be a day that hope will make all of us not ashamed. That it will prove itself to be true. That the life that we have lived will be justified by the reward that we receive. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe that. Amen. Look at this one last scripture and I'm done. Um, hope deferred. Hope deferred. Make it the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. The hope that we have may be deferred. It, it, it may weigh heavy in our hearts. It may be delayed. The answer may not come. There's, and, and we struggle with the difficulty of the season. Uh, the, good, the owner of the, the vineyard came looking for the, the fig tree to bear fruit. And three years he came, uh, but it did not eliminate the necessity of the seasons in between. And, and so we have to understand that hope deferred, make it the heart sick. But, but the keeper said, give me another year. Why? Because hope says, let me try again. Hope says, let me live on. Hope says, let, let it, let it, let's look at it. God's got some time here and, and, and it can be different and they can be saved and, and the prayer can be answered and, and we can believe on. Why? Because hope deferred, make it the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, uh, everybody hear that? When the desire cometh, not if the desire cometh, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Amen. Amen. In other words, it bears fruit. Yeah. That, that the digging about, the tribulations that worked experience and the experience that offered the hope. Amen. Finally, the fruit was born. Amen. Amen. It's a tree of life. Somebody lives on it. Somebody's sustained by it. Oh, thank God. The hope that we have may be deferred, but it is not, it is not denied. Amen. One day faith shall become sight, hope fulfilled, peace forevermore. I am so thankful tonight. I am so thankful for hope in Jesus. Somebody love God with me. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your word is faithful and it is true. And oh God, that, that I am not hopeless tonight. None of us are. We're not in this place, Lord, just, just floundering about in a sea that is trying to swallow us up in a world that hates you and hates your ways, God. But we have hope in you. We have hope in you and hope maketh not a shame, Lord, and we can give an answer, a reason for the hope that is within us. And so, Lord, I pray that every one of them in this place, everyone would feel that hope uh, rise up within them. And, and whatever they're facing, whatever they're dealing with this night, whatever they're going through, whatever circumstance, Lord, that they have a hope for a better thing, a better way, a better day, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to feel it and realize that it's not going to be making them ashamed. They're going to have hope, and that hope's going to be fulfilled and fruit will be born. Lord, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Would you stand your feet and, and love the Lord right now? Come on. I believe this in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for repentance and baptism in his name and the infilling of his spirit. I'm thankful for truth. I have hope in this. I have hope in this. I have hope in this. Hallelujah. Don't be hopeless tonight. Be hopeful. God is great. I love you. I will see you here Sunday. I'm looking forward to what the Lord will do here in Jesus' name. Greet your brothers and sisters and our guests. God bless you in Jesus' name.